Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Right, uh, we're going to start hour number four with a little baseball talk. We're going to go all around the playoffs here with our next guest. He is a former major leaguer in his own right. You can catch him on Sirius XM's MLB Network Radio, and he also does analyst work in season for the Texas Rangers. And, yes, from time to time I get to host the show with him, so it's always nice to say, how you doing, C.J. Nitkowski? Hey, Mac, I'm doing well, man. Good to talk with you. It's been a while. It has been. Good to catch up. Uh, my pleasure. Um, why don't we do it in this order? We'll start with the game to be played tonight. Then we'll go through the other three series. Uh, the Astros with an excellent chance to grab a 2 nothing lead because they've got maybe the hottest pitcher in all of baseball, Garrett uh, Cole, on the hill for them tonight. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the guy on the hill for the Rays. Blake Snell last year's American League Cy Young Award win, a little bit of a surprise, closed vote. I had no problems with him getting the award. You could surely make the argument for him last year. He earned it. He deserved it. This year has not been the same for him. Can he turn back the clock and go all 2018 on the Astros tonight and actually make it a competition against Ian Cole? Well, the problem is is stamina. And unfortunately for the Rays, they dealt with this with Tyler Glass now yesterday. Blake Snell in this game, in game two, guys that without a doubt when they were at full strength, they could be impact and they would have a chance of going toe-to-toe with two of the best in the game. When those guys are on, they're absolutely capable of getting it done and hanging in there. The problem is both of them missed significant amount of time to see Glassdow throw yesterday and go a few winnings. Um, that was about the most that you could expect out of him. With Blake Snell, he hasn't thrown more than two and a third since he has been back, and he just got activated in September. And so the reality is is that if they were to get three innings out of him, I think they would be thrilled. If anything beyond that um, is kind of a bonus, which is an unfortunate thing to have to say in the postseason, but I think that's the reality of where the Rays are. Um, right now and what they're kind of dealing with and, and trying to sit there and battle a really tough club and, and arguably maybe the best club in the American League. And so that that's the downside. We're kind of getting cheated a little bit as fans of watching a couple of guys that could absolutely put up a battle against two of the best in the game, uh, but because they've been hurt, because they missed time, uh, they're going to get cut short. What happens afterwards is hopefully that bullpen can keep them in it, and they've done it all year, and they've been a very interesting group, and uh, a lot of roster up and down with that bullpen for the Rays, uh, but that's what it's going to take. You know, Blake Snell, like I said, three maybe, uh, a little bit deeper than that, but it's not going to be much more. He just hasn't pitched enough lately uh, to get that stamina to where they wish they could have it tonight. And I think that's a very good, fair, and on-point analysis, so uh, putting the cart well before the horse, and I realize I'm doing it. No, eat crow if it happens to go the other way. Uh, assuming the Rays uh, can't overcome the Astros here and lose, lose this series in either three or four games. They had a phenomenal season. They tried to stay in touch with the Yankees. They put the Red Sox, the defending champions, behind them. They won the one-game play in wild card. If they get dominated here by the Astros in the next round and they're starting pitching the way that they handled their pitching uh, just overall with pitchers not expected to pitch deep, openers and the like, so much leaning on the bullpen, is this still a successful season for the Rays? Uh, Well, 
I mean, it is because they answered any doubts that we might have had or any questions about last year. Last year they fell a little bit short. They really just ran out of time. They were playing so good the last couple of months of the season. If there was another month added on to last season, they likely would have been a postseason team. And so they come back this year, a couple little acquisitions, doing what they have to do, which is try to find some guys that are maybe on the downtrend or hadn't lived up to expectations, and could they sneak in there and, and make a piece that has some talent but maybe hasn't had the results, make that player a little bit better. And so they did that. Um, Yandy Diaz is a really good example of that, a guy that the Indians thought could couldn't hit for power. It's 14 home runs this year, and then two um, in that wild card game. Um, so uh, there's been some successful things that happened. So they answered the questions. They have a good off season. You know, it's it's always an interesting question depending on expectations. That okay, if you fall short, only one team can win a World Series. If you're not that one, is your season a disappointment? I would I would say in the case of the Rays, it's not. When you talk about bottom of the uh, barrel and payroll. Um, and having to get everything they possibly can out of a roster, and they did. And they were carrying, I think, thirty-eight or thirty-nine players um, during September, and you could, you know, forty is the maximum. But most teams don't get close to it. But they really were um, squeezing everything they had of their organiz- out of their organization. So I wouldn't consider it a failure. Um, I think they got some bad luck again, going back to the couple of starters that had gotten hurt. Um, but if they get wiped out here pretty quickly by the Astros, um, I don't think you walk away. Yeah, you're going to be disappointed. Your head's going to be down a little bit. But uh, for those of us that try to look at it. Objectively, I would still consider it a pretty successful season for the race. Fair enough. Uh, we're talking to C.J. Nitkowski here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, so the Yanks get a 10 spot last night, 8 spot tonight. We know their lineup is power-laden throughout, but they got pretty good pitching from Paxson last night and really solid pitching from Tanaka today. Is the Yankees pitching underrated in your estimation? Well, based on what we've seen so far, I think it's probably fair to say that. And at the same time, it's fair to question um, and have concerns. And, of course, we know Yankee fans will worry about that starting pitching, especially when you go back, what, just a week or so ago, and Aaron Boone was talking about how they thought that maybe Paxton was going to be the only starter uh, that was going to be used in any kind of traditional sense. And so they feel a little bit better, first of all, his strong outing, but then Masahiro Tanaka having a really good one. And it's a it's a good offense. I know there's history between the Yankees and the Twins, and the Yankees have absolutely dominated this organization over the years. There were years where they were winning. The Twins were a weaker American League Central, and I know three teams really weren't contending, but the Indians were, and the Indians were a real challenge. And the fact that I think most of us before the season started basically gave that division to the Cleveland Indians and the Minnesota Twins went out and uh, they took care of business and I think they surprised just about everybody but they did it with a high-powered offense and so the point there for the Yankees pitching at least what we've seen so far is that they've been able to do a really nice job against a good offense one that the Yankees battled with all year long uh, for most home runs hit as a team they can flat out slug and so far so good for this Yankee pitching so underrated at least maybe in the sense against the, the Minnesota Twins, assuming that the Yankees get past them and eventually see the Astros, um, that'll be the next huge test that they'll have because that lineup um, is probably as good as it gets in the game. A little bit tougher in the sense that they put the ball in play more. Uh, they're a little bit tougher to strike out. Um, and not to take anything away from the Twins, but the Astros are even better. And the Twins were one of the best teams in baseball on the road this year at 55-26. and 26. They go in lose the first two uh, at Yankee Stadium. How much does going home actually help Minnesota, if at all? Yeah, I mean, it helps a little bit, I think, just the idea of that Yankee crowd. I'm not a, I'm not a big believer, at least I don't over-analyze the idea of going on the road. I mean, these are, these are guys that have done well on the road, as you mentioned, but just in general, they're professionals. But you saw today, I think, in this game, is that once a game gets out of hand, 
and all of a sudden you start feeling the pressure, you have a bad outing, it beats you up a little bit mentally. I don't know about during it, but afterwards I think it does. I think that's when you start to feel it a little bit more. You're sitting in that dugout or you have to you know, kind of take that walk of shame getting taken out of the game in the middle of an inning because you didn't pitch uh, particularly well. That was Tyler Duffy tonight having to do that. Uh, it's not a good feeling. That beats you up. So knowing that you're going to go home and not have to deal with that um, and you're going to get cheered a little bit, it's certainly going to be loud in Minnesota and uh, – uh, we're hearing that the Homer Hankies will be back out in Minnesota, so that'll certainly be some fun for them. But they're going to have a challenge. I mean, there's no two ways about it. I think I saw 88% of teams that jump out 2-0 end up winning the series, so the odds are heavily against them. Um, they'll have to pull off some magic, but uh, I think it'll be good to be home for sure. All right, let's jump over to the NL. Um, Nationals win a win-or-go-home uh, game in the wild card and uh, all-party uh, down in Washington. A uh, quick aside, and I haven't mentioned this on the air yet. In watching the post game after the Nats won their wild card game, were there more good looking girlfriends and wives on the field than <laughs> I've ever seen before? Was did they have them all ready to come down and out onto the field, or am I just getting to that age in life where I notice these kind of things? <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you, I did not notice it, um, and that was a late game finish late, so I don't think I saw okay. the end of it live. So I, I didn't get to see it. Go I'm back and check that tape, but I'm around. telling you, game ends, and there's like 12 or 13 babes immediately on the field within a minute and a half. It was well, unbelievable. I will say this. There's an upside to being a Major League Baseball player uh, <laughs> for sure. And uh, maybe it was on display. Mrs. Nitkowski, thank you very much for that yeah. comment, by the way. Um, they win that game. They go Scherzer into Strasburg and do what they have to do to win. Come back at uh, Burleyed, since you can be Verlander. I think you can be <laughs> Burleyed as well, which is what happened to them in game number one. Uh, but then rally here in game number two, but have to go Strasburg into Scherzer to be able to do mm-hmm. it. Are they playing too many big cards here early? Because they got to win this series, and then they got to win another series before they ever get to the World Series. Uh, is the manager being uber aggressive with his two superstar pitchers? I don't think so. I think for Dave Martinez, his hand was kind of forced a little bit, right? The bullpen really faltered down the stretch. You still have a couple of arms that you can rely on, and Daniel Hudson uh, and certainly Sean Doolittle, and those have been guys that have been given the ball in big spots. Um, but it gets a little bit shaky after that right now. And that's unfortunate because that's a tough way to manage in the postseason. But we have seen this trend. We have seen closers lose their job. Ken Giles with the Astros, even though they went out and they won the World Series, the closer that took them there that year, at least throughout the regular season, basically lost a job come postseason time. And the difference here, I think, of what you're seeing compared to what maybe we saw with the Astros and other teams in recent history is that they're doing it with their one and two. Uh, other teams are doing it, say, with uh, Charlie Morton, Lance McCullers Jr., uh, other guys that we have seen, Nate Evaldi. They weren't your ace, and they weren't even your second starter. They were middle of the rotation. Good arms in deep rotations, but they were more middle of the rotation. So the idea of trying to do it um, with your co-aces that you have there with Scherzer and Strasburg does seem a little bit more like a challenge and one that you wonder, could this really last? Um, but it is the postseason. It is a little bit more of a, you know, obviously games are shorter, a lot can happen, or a series are shorter, and so anything can happen over these shorter series. But it's it's not perfect. It's not what Dave Martinez wants to do, uh, but I think it's kind of what he is forced to do. And even though trying to go and win a World Series this way might seem like a big challenge, 
if the Washington Nationals can just win a division series, that would be a huge deal. I mean, first of all, the idea of knocking off the Dodgers, that's certainly not going to be any kind of easy task. But they haven't been able to win, right? They've gone to the postseason a handful of times now. They've won the division uh, since 2012. I think this is the fourth time. But they keep losing in the division series. And that's been a real problem for them. And so just the idea of advancing in the postseason for the first time. It's not why you play. There are not players sitting in that clubhouse and that dugout going, oh, let's just win the division series one time because most, if not all of them, were not there uh, in 2012 when this thing first started. But there's been so much turnover there, manager every two years. Um, Mike Rizzo, I think, has done an excellent job of putting a roster together, but they just haven't been able to get over the hump. And so uh, not that Dave Martinez is only trying to win a division series, uh, but I get why he's doing it, and it would be uh, it would be a pretty big victory for them if they figure out a way to finally do it. Agreed and understood. All right, Cardinals-Braves. Cardinals hold on and win game one. Kind of a wild game, low scoring early, whole bunch of runs late, including the uh, Braves getting within one at the end of the game before Carlos Martinez got the last out. And then Fulton Evans comes back and throws a gem last night. With the way things shook out and the fact that it's 1-1 heading back to St. Louis, who's got a leg up in this series right now? Tell you what, this has gone exactly backwards to how I thought it was going to go. I actually <laughs> went to the game Thursday as a fan and just took it in uh, with my son, uh, and it was absolutely smoking in Atlanta. I think they do regret not putting a roof on top of that ballpark. But it went exactly the opposite the way that I thought it would go. The ideal of Dallas Keuchel, you know, being their starter was certainly big, part of the reason why they, they brought him in and thinking that the Braves absolutely had to win that game. Now, Dallas Keuchel couldn't get through five, but he still threw the ball pretty well, and the bullpen had done a pretty nice job up until Chris Martin had to come out of the game because he was hurt. He got hurt in his warm-ups, and I thought, man, they're in trouble now. After they blew that game, Ronald Acuna Jr., he swung the bat well but didn't hustle on that one ball. That's really deflating. Those are questions that Brian Snicker and Freddie Freeman don't want to have to answer after the game, and you could be a really disrupting kind of event that happened for them. And the other part of the equation was, not only are they lose with their ace on the mound, at least with Dallas Keuchel going the veteran, is that now they got to face Jack Flaherty in game two. And that's going to be a real problem because nobody was better than he was in the second half of the season. And this kid looks like he's shaping up to be something pretty special. And they find a way to win that game. So it goes completely opposite of how I thought it was going to go. Uh, this will be a real battle. Neither one of these bullpens are in tremendous shape. Um, Chris Martin is now off the roster, and so they activate Julio, Julio Tehran. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch because Max Fried, the starter, is in the bullpen, and so far he has been fantastic, kind of like we were just talking about a little bit here with the Nationals. Perhaps they have to leave him in that bullpen the rest of the way, and that means Julio Tehran, who was just activated, could get a Game 4 start. Um, which is kind of interesting to think about that you were left off the roster and now may eventually have to pitch in a pretty big game, especially potentially an elimination game, depending on how game three goes. So this one, as far as trying to pick them, I think is pretty evenly matched in different ways. I don't feel like one team necessarily has a huge advantage over the other. Uh, Adam Wainwright is not quite the same guy that he was in the past, so he's vulnerable. The Braves certainly uh, can get to him. And then you think about on the other side, if anything, the Braves might have an advantage, at least with this starting pitching matchup, um, which will be pretty fun to watch here tomorrow um, and you think about the idea of the veteran uh, Adam Wainwright going up against Soroka who's been incredible uh, as a young pitcher so that that's going to be a fun one um, but advantage really tough to say I think these both of these teams have their question marks they have their strengths this should be a really fun series and uh, if it works out our way we get to see a game five all right fair enough um, two more questions on quickies on that one on that series um, you mentioned uh, Wainwright starting game three they chose to go with Wainwright, who's the veteran, been there, uh, excelled in postseason situations, as compared to Dakota Hudson, 
who had a pretty damn good rookie season. All right, he gives up hits, he puts base runners on, but he seems to find his way out of it, and he won a whole bunch of games for the Cardinals this year. You're tied at 1-1, so it comes out that you know you're guaranteed to be playing for. There isn't an elimination game. You aren't up to nothing with a game that you could spare. It's 1-1, and they decided to order it. Wainwright Hudson, were you surprised at all by that? Uh, not really. I mean, it's you know it's a tough one. I think it's a difficult decision. You are talking about a 16-game winner who did a pretty nice job. He's a contact pitcher. Uh, keeps the ball on the ground, does a really nice job, did lead the league in walks this year. And so I think any postseason game you're going to feel a little bit of pressure. Uh, if the Braves are to win game three, uh, then there's some real heavy, heavy pressure um, in game four if Hudson ends up being the guy um, that gets the start. They'll have to figure that out uh, for this 25-year-old who was a reliever last year and did a pretty respectable job but goes into the rotation this year um, and does a really nice job. So that's a tough one. Um, Adam Wainwright was okay down the stretch, not great. Um, there was some good, there was some bad in there, and I think they're going to rely on that experience a little bit more. And it could be a situation where, again, like we've seen so often in this postseason, um, that bullpens get involved a little bit earlier than anybody probably would want. Um, but it's a trend that's just kind of taken off in our game. All right. Did uh, last thing? Did you say you went to Game One of the Braves Cardinal Series with your I son? I did. I did. Took my youngest, my 11 year old, with me and uh, went and watched the game with a buddy of ours, and it was ridiculously hot. And we sat on the wrong side of the stadium, so we were in the sun. Um, for at least, I don't know, the first five innings. All right, so I guess you can blame it on the sun. I don't know if Acuna did uh, or not. But when he didn't run out the ball that didn't get out of the park, what did you say to your son? Yeah, it was pretty brutal. I mean, we talked about it, and it, you know, it was pretty amazing to see because you're watching the ball first, so you don't see all of it necessarily when you're at the ballpark. And I just kind of picked up my phone and went back and watched it real quick, and you know, sure enough, you see it, and I showed it to him. And it's, you know, it's so amazing in this day and age because the balls are flying out of the ballpark. Right. I mean, how many times have we seen? It feels like at least a dozen this year where a hitter hit a ball and seemed frustrated thinking he popped out and the ball ends up leaving the ballpark. Right. That's happened a handful of times. So the idea that you wouldn't know that a ball got out in, in this day and age is pretty inexcusable. Of course, the fact that it's happened prior with him um, is unfortunate. But the biggest thing, and, you know, his reaction wasn't great. Um, after the game, and Eduardo Perez had a pretty good piece on MLB Network Radio about it because you know he's listening. He's like, one thing to hear it through a translator, but I'm listening to him speak in Spanish, and he wasn't as contrite as you would want him to be, and it seemed like he didn't still quite get it. Braves fans are frustrated because they absolutely love this guy. He is an unbelievably talented stud, and he's fun to watch play, and he had a great game. Uh, but that just can't happen. I mean, it's really selfish. Like You better know. like The home run that he hit later, he knew, right? And he had fun with it, and that's fine. But the idea that you were unaware that that ball only got about halfway up the wall. I mean, Manny Machado last year did that with the Dodgers. It's never a good look, and you just put your entire team and your coaching staff in a really bad spot. Everybody has to ask questions. You put your manager in a tough spot where he's got to, you know, he's not going to take out of the game. It's the postseason, but any other situation he would have, right? So you put him in that really bad spot as well. And I think it's understanding that part of it um, that is really kind of irritating for Braves fans. They were frustrated. And you, you think there's a party that's like, okay, well, it's a national game, national interviews, MLB Network. I mean, everybody around the nation is talking about it. You think that you would be embarrassed, but he may be immune to that. He may not get it. He might not be watching TV or, or listening to radio, so he doesn't feel it as much or doesn't get it from the press. The only thing that might get through to him, quite honestly, is if the fans let him have it because that's something you can't avoid, right? That's something you can't get away from. And if they were to hammer him with booze uh, in that moment or at least when he came back up again, um, to let him know, listen, dude, we love you, but this is not good enough. Um, maybe that is a way that you get you get that through to him. But it's unfortunate because he's so good. And I'll be honest with you, even the whole run that he hit and he crushed it, it was a no-doubter, it's the ninth inning and you're still losing by two. 
know what I mean? Like, it's great. That's a big moment. Be a little bit excited. But, you know, he had a pretty big celebration. And there's a party that's saying, man, is he just, does he only kind of know what's going on with him? Or is he aware of what's happening with the rest of the team? Because they were probably down because of what he did uh, with that base running mistake that he made. And the home run was great and it was awesome. But you're still losing by two and you're partially responsible. So he's young. Um, you, you like to think and you hope that he grows out of it, but it was it was extremely frustrating. Understood. Uh, do yourself a favor. Go back and check out the post-game celebration <laughs> from the Wildcats. I'm telling you, there were chicks <laughs> plenty all over the field. I, I, I noticed these things. Uh, that's why we have you on to break down the more baseball-related <laughs> topics, Mr. Nitkowski. Give Mrs. CJ our regards. Thanks for coming on, brother. You got it, Jody Mack. Great to catch up. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.